Welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. I'm your host, Brad, and I'm a beggar. I found the bread of life, Messiah Yeshua, and I'm hoping others will read the instructions as to where this bread may be found. This episode, Writing on the Wall. Shout out to Iron Maiden for the title to this episode, longtime British metal band Iron Maiden, who should most definitely be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. This episode has actually been a few months in the making since the release of their 17th studio album, Senjutsu. Writing on the Wall was the first single released for that album, and the song and video have lots of end times imagery and lyrics. The song title and the video also have lots of connections with Chapter 5 from the Book of Daniel. The video opens with an emaciated man holding a flyer for Belshazzar's feast. He drops to the ground, and then a robed figure approaches him and places his hand on the forehead of the man who appears to have just died. The robed man holds his hand in an interesting position. If you're familiar with Leonard Nimoy's character, Mr. Spock from Star Trek, he held his fingers spread two to each side, and then his thumb extended out, and he would say, live long and prosper. Well, something I just learned about that is that hand gesture is how Jewish priests hold their hands when praying a blessing over a person. So typically when receiving the blessing from the priest, individuals close their eyes. They're encouraged to cover their eyes or even cover their faces with a tallit, a prayer shawl, while receiving the blessing. Well, when Leonard was a young boy, curiosity got the best of him. So he peeked when the priest prayed the blessing over him. He saw that hand gesture and he incorporated that blessing hand gesture with his character, Mr. Spock. And the rest, as they say, is history. And there's lots more um, in that animated video, which may remind some people of the animation from the movie Heavy Metal. If you're familiar, not encouraging or endorsing, you go see that one. Anyway, it's not about the music or the video or even Mr. Spock. It's about the message, writing on the wall. So we will go to the aforementioned Daniel chapter 5 to start things off. And we're going to begin in verse 1. King Belshazzar held a great feast for a thousand of his nobles and was drinking wine in front of the thousand. When Belshazzar tasted the wine, he issued an order to bring in the gold and silver vessels that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his consorts and his concubines could drink from them. So they brought the gold vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, consorts and concubines, drank from them. They drank the wine and praised the gods made of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. That's verses 1 through 4. Belshazzar has this great feast. He gets a little liquid courage in him, and then he says, Hey, let's get those vessels out that Nebuchadnezzar swiped out of the Jewish temple. So a quick historical note here. It is not likely that Belshazzar was the biological son of Nebuchadnezzar, but referred to him as father in the same way many use the phrase Father Abraham, or one is a son of Abraham. Now, for a long time, 
this chapter was uh, seen as a discrepancy in the scriptures because from Babylonian records, there was no mention of King Belshazzar. And then the Uruk king's list was unearthed, and it included the name Belshazzar, the final king of that Babylonian empire. So once again, historians seeking to discredit scriptures are left with a slice of humble pie. Enjoy. Okay. Belshazzar throws this party, and then he starts defiling the holy vessels intended for the worship of the Most High God, El Elyon. We're going to pick up at verse 5. At that very moment, the fingers of a human hand emerged and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand, so that the king could see the back of the hand that was writing. The color drained from the king's face, his thoughts alarmed him, his hips gave way, and his knees began knocking together. That's uh, verses 5 and 6. So the king then offers a reward, a purple robe and a gold chain for the person who can read and interpret what was written on the wall. The purple robe would signify that individual would join the ranks of royalty and then the gold chain because when you're a royal, you got to flash some bling. That's kind of my paraphrase. Anyway, none of the king's faithful could read the writing on the wall. So the queen tells him of a man who interpreted many things for the late king Nebuchadnezzar, one of the Hebrews named Daniel. And I do encourage you, of course, to read through this entire chapter um, and study to show yourself approved of God. I'm, I'm jumping to some specific passages for time's sake. Um, the king, and then I'm kind of just quickly filling in the blanks. Um, the king then calls for Daniel. He verifies that he is the same Daniel whom Nebuchadnezzar captured from Judah. Yep, same guy. Belshazzar offers the reward for interpreting the writing. And I love Daniel's response in verse 17. Then Daniel answered the king saying, you may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and tell him its meaning. Your majesty, God most high gave your father Nebuchadnezzar the kingdom, as well as greatness, glory, and splendor. Because of the grandeur that he bestowed on him, all the people's nations and languages dreaded and feared him. He killed whomever he wanted and spared anyone he wanted. He raised up whomever he wished and humbled anyone he wished. But when his heart became haughty and his spirit hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal th throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from among men and his mind became like an animal and his dwelling was with the wild asses. He fed on grass like an ox and his body was damp with the dew of heaven until he recognized that God most high is sovereign over the realm of mankind and that he sets up over it whomever he wills. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this. Instead, you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven. You had the vessels of his house brought before you, and you and your nobles, your consorts and your concubines have been drinking wine in them. You have praised the gods made of silver and gold, of bronze iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. 
yet you did not honor the God who holds his hand your very holds in his hand your very breath and all your ways therefore the hand was sent from him that wrote this inscription that's uh, ending in verse 24. So Daniel compares Nebuchadnezzar with Belshazzar, telling the latter that he has not humbled himself, so some humbling is coming. He confronts the king for exalting himself against Adonai, the Lord our God, using, uh, using the holy vessels, defiling them and praising the gods of silver, gold, wood, stone, iron, and bronze. The Talmud offers some further understanding, stating that Belshazzar and the Babylonians at this point in history were feeling overconfident because they knew the prophecy was that Israel would be in captivity for 70 years in Babylon and then the Babylonian Empire would fall. Well, as, as the sages say it, either through miscalculation or misunderstanding, the king assumed the 70th year had passed. And so to mock the God of Israel, it was time to celebrate. And yes, math are hard for some people. And so are life lessons. Daniel then interprets the writing on the wall. From verse 25, the writing was, Many, many tekel uparsin. This is the interpretation of the inscription. Many, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then, at Belshazzar's command, they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and issued a proclamation about him that he would have the authority as third ruler in the kingdom. On that very night, King Belshazzar of the Chaldeans was slain. That's the end of chapter 5. And then into chapter 6, we read that it, that's when Darius the Mede took over and Babylon fell into the hands of the Medes and Persians. The vessels which Belshazzar defiled would be those used in temple service of drink offerings poured out to Adonai Elohim. Now, there are a couple of drink offerings which are utilized. One is found in Numbers 28 and verse 7. This is a drink offering poured out on the brazen altar after the offering of a lamb. The others um, are found in Leviticus and this is when a drink, a drink offering, a wine, was poured out as an offering to Hashem on the table of showbread in the holy place. So as I understand it, the loaves of bread symbolize the body of the sacrifice, and the poured out drink offering of wine symbolized the blood of the sacrifice, the blood of the covenant. Does this sound familiar to anyone? I really hope it does, because it should. So what Belshazzar and his guest did was use these holy vessels in a mockery of the Most High God, drinking from what should be used to pour out an offering to God, and then praising gods of silver, gold, iron, bronze, wood, and stone, not recognizing the Most High God and 
not recognizing or acknowledging the true significance and meaning of the offerings. Now, I do see a parallel here to what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11. After calling out the people for how they have dishonored God in their feasts and in taking the Lord's Supper, he writes, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the Lord's cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself and then let him eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For the one who eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and quite a few have died. For if we were judging ourselves thoroughly, we wouldn't be coming under judgment. But when we are judged, we are being disciplined by the Lord so that we might not be condemned along with the world. That's from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So when we do break the bread and drink the cup, we must do so in remembrance of the Messiah Yeshua. We cannot eat or drink without examining ourselves and recognizing the body, or we are guilty of the sin of Belshazzar. This is why we cannot get casual or cavalier in taking the bread and the cup. We can't just mindlessly go through the motions, making it just a, 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 a rote exercise of partaking of the Lord's Supper. We must examine ourselves. And I think it's safe to say that there will absolutely be times in every believer's life where they abstain from taking the bread or drinking the cup when they examine themselves. They may need time to step back and work through some things or allow God to work some things in and through us. I believe that there are times when in complete honesty and reverence, where we say, no, it would not be right for me to take today. And regardless of what others may think, you know, if we, if we don't take it, oh, I wonder why so-and-so didn't take it. If, if that's their focus, that's their thing. Let them trip over it. You need to be focused on doing what is right according to Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God. Are we here to please God or man? We don't want to. We don't want to be on the balances, and found lacking. And so, one more thing about the writing on the wall. You know, I realize when it comes to eschatology, the study of the end times, different people have different understandings and interpretations of the scriptures and what means what and when certain things are going to happen. It did some things already happen, what has happened. And so there's, there's, there's arguments on, on all sides of this as far as the end times go. And what we must understand is, first of all, the Apostle Paul, he believed, and we, you can see it in his writings, that, that the time of Messiah's return would come during his lifetime or shortly thereafter. So even since then, People have been looking and trying to figure it out and predicting. What we know is our lives on this earth are but a vapor. We are each here and God has numbered each of our days. 
we know that our lives on this earth are a vapor. They go by so quick. And we are told in the scriptures to redeem the time because the days are evil. So not knowing the day or the hour Messiah will return, we need to be about our father's business. Even if we think and we've calculated that it's, it's not going to be, uh, it won't be for centuries. Okay, that's good that you've got that confidence in figuring things out. But how are you supposed to live anyway, regardless? We're supposed to be about our father's business, even as our master Yeshua the Messiah was and is. We continue to allow ourselves to be distracted by the most trivial, insignificant arguments and discussions, entangling ourselves in civilian affairs when our commander-in-chief has us here to fight a war and not with carnal weapons, but with mighty weapons through God. We have an enemy to conquer and we are nitpicking and chirping over nonsense and numbing ourselves in front of a screen or with food, drink, or drugs just to get through. There is a lost and dying world out there that is starving to death and we have the bread, the bread of life, Messiah Yeshua. Let's let others know where to find this bread. Let's go out and give them heaven. Because the writing is on the wall and the writing is throughout scripture. Repent. The kingdom is at hand. We are to be making disciples of Yeshua. Adonai has done the work. He has paid the price. He has empowered us by his spirit. And we are without excuse. Let's be about our father's business. Study to show yourself approved of God. Until next time, grace and peace to you in Messiah Yeshua. Chain Shalom.